Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 148 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His host. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling this command. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and rulers and kings of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above heaven and earth. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his people. For the people of Israel who are close to him, praise the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 15 through 17. Thus says the Lord, a voice is heard in Ramah. Lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, Keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for there is a reward for your work, says the Lord. They shall come back and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope for your future, says the Lord. Your children shall come back to their own country. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 13 through 18. Now after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled all that had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. Good morning and welcome to the fourth day of Christmas. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from North Yarmouth, Maine, with my computer not on mute. Uh, This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 148, Jeremiah 31, and Matthew 2. And the... um, the Jeremiah reading might have been startling until we read um, the gospel text 
Um, it, I know it was for me, um, but it's also out of order. Anyway, so the um, what's left out of the reading that I imagine we'll get to later in Christmas time, which is the 12 days of Christmas, including Christmas through January 5th, um, because January 6th is Epiphany. The 12 days is probably longer. We don't know exactly how long it was between Jesus' birth and the visitation from the astrologers or the magi, of whom we don't know how many there are, but there were more than one. Um, we think there are three, but again, that's just speculation. Um, and the um, so it's a little out of order. The magi in the reading today have already come, and what they've done is they've they visited Herod because he's the king, and they figure he knows everything that's going on in his land, and they don't know that Herod is a douchebag. Uh, of the highest order. And so they say, oh, we've come to see the king. And he's like, wait, what the fuck? What king? I'm the king. And so he kind of plays along with him. He says, oh, you know, tell me when you find this baby king, because I'd love to, you know, give it stuff. But it really wants to do is take out the competition. So they go and they find uh, the baby. And um, as they're leaving or as after they've visited, they get a dream, much like Joseph had a dream in the reading. And uh, in the dream, it's quite clear that Herod wants to kill the child. And so they, instead of going back to Herod, as they said, they would, um, they just, they go home. And so Herod finds out and he orders all the children in and around Bethlehem murdered. And this is, um, uh, this is also, I don't know if it's a feast, but it might be the feast of the innocents, or the murder of the innocents, and that's all the children of uh, of Israel in and around Bethlehem who were c- killed by Herod, by their own king, um, hoping to retain power. And it's meant to be uh, a reflection, a mirror image of the slaughter of the firstborn in Egypt, when Pharaoh, because he refused to allow Israel to you know, to go out to the desert for three days to have a festival and start and and do a sacrifice to God, um, Pharaoh then essentially, um, you know, kind of doomed his own people to uh, their children being killed. And so it's, it's intended to evoke that, but it also um, is as well, according to the community that produced the Gospel of Matthew, um, to fulfill this prophecy from Jer- Jeremiah, in which um, Rachel is weeping for her children and uh, she can't be consoled. And that imitates um, both the people of Israel who have just had their children murdered, um, all within a certain age group, and um, also Egypt, when a loud wail came out of Egypt when the, the angel of death limped through or passed over um, the land and sl- and killed uh, the Egyptian firstborn, and so uh, he uh, there's like two prophecies that that are being fulfilled. The one is wailing in Egypt and the children being killed, and the other is this you know um, short part about being called out of out of Egypt, um, you know, kind of an exodus from Egypt, which is this weird. The timing is all messed up, but I always got the sense that the New Testament, you know, kind of goes around goes around fulfilling prophecies in this, like, really haphazard way. 
Um, because, you know, I, I love it. I think it's, it, you know, I, I find it, you know, it's like watching a choose your own adventure, like, uh, you know, like the prequel or, or, you know, series of Star Wars movies where you find out all these different pieces and how they connect together. But like, when you look at it, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, okay, he's being called out of Egypt, but he's, he went there to be called out and it's to fulfill, you know, this, the Exodus story and blah, blah, blah. It's like, God, there's just a lot of work going on. Um, but that's, that's the reason. Um, the other prophecy, so the two prophecies are out of, out of Egypt, I've called my son and the wailing, uh, and in consolation over the death of their children. Um, and the timing again, I says is off, you know, we're on the fourth day of Christmas before the nativity or the, the Magi are supposed to come. So it's just, just hold on. It's just a wild ride, I guess, um, because we're going to be kind of going back and forth. Um, and as uh, as a soldier, it makes me think of like somebody carried out those orders of Herod's. Um, probably not Roman soldiers, um, and I won't get into why I think that is. But the Bible, over and over and over again, depicts soldiers protecting Paul, protecting um, you know uh, other other people. Uh, protecting their servants, um, it is by and large usually the temple guard, the temple servants, who have the authority of the chief priest, but not the authority of Rome, uh, who go about doing these things. And Herod, as like this local, you know, kind of puppet king, if he had soldiers, Rome probably was toler- was allowing him to have them, but they were probably not Roman. Um, and so they were something more like Jewish soldiers, um, but Herod wasn't allowed to do anything like defend his land or conquer a new land. So whether or not they're soldiers is kind of debatable. They might be something more like enforcers or something. Um, you know, these people loyal or maybe being paid by Herod um, to just kind of enforce his rules and laws and etc. So the, you know, the extent to which those who carried this out, whether or not they're soldiers, is is debatable. You know, it kind of depends on what you mean by soldier. Is it a legitimate force organized around um, ordering a society, or is it something more like a mafia kind of syndicate where Herod has this fake power and these fake soldiers, you know, who you know the people are afraid of, but is only really tolerated by the the true power in the area. Um, the same thing that, you know, even with the passion of Christ, the soldiers aren't, well, that's not true. Depending on which gospel you read, the instances in which the soldiers are being douchebags, like, you know, mocking Jesus or beating Jesus, um, that happens in John and mostly not in the other gospels. John really doesn't like the Roman soldiers. Um, uh, you know, it's... Only John has it being a soldier that gives Jesus sour wine on a sponge at the end of a, a stick, which is what Romans use to wipe their ass. Um, and so the, the you know the the soldiers at the passion, the the execution detail, for lack of a better word, there is some I don't know debauchery or immorality there. But for the most part, they're doing their job. You know, they're maintaining order as as they are instructed. Um, the religious elite have chosen, you know, to 
to let Jesus die to keep from pissing off the Romans and allowing Bar Jesus or Bar Abba, depending on which gospel again, letting him go free in order for the the insurrectionist who seems to be, you know, gaining a lot of support, um, let him die, but let the guy who had failed as an insurrectionist let him go. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, the 12 days of Christmas um, is, a, you know, it's all about the, the nativity, about the Holy Family, about, um, you know, the Lord being here, the psalm, uh, as, we, as we listen, it's all about praising God. The arrival of the Christ child has occurred. Um, the weary world now is rejoicing, um, and the um, the focus is on uh, you know kind of what's going on as Jesus is born. Um, so you'll see some episode art. the The color for Christmas and Christmas tide is white. Um, you know, it's not ordinary time. And um, up until January fifth, it'll be white, and then for Epiphany. It might be purple, I can't remember. Um, but that's that's the kind of nuanced um, liturgical season that we're in. Um, and I'm sure there will be more you know, kind of throwing in fulfilled prophecies and everything else, but you just kind of have to uh, white-knuckle it and grin and bear it while, like, you know, because it's, it's almost like a liturgical orgy, like, ah, ah, Jesus is here, and there's also the epiphany, and uh, God is in, uh, oh, oh, so much that we could say. So that's what I anticipate for the next eight days, minus the two days for the weekend when I don't record. But um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be fun, but we just kind of have to take it as it comes. And uh, thank you for listening. Look forward to spending um, this liturgical season with you and looking forward to the new uh, calendar year. A prayer for the first week after Christmas Day. Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light, enkindled in our hearts, may shine forth in our lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.